When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. And so a leader will either bless or curse a nation. I would like to start by asking a question uh, this uh, evening uh, service. How many of you experience a uh, recipe disaster? Right? For me, I, I, I love cooking. And you can ask my wife. Um, I always I was cook for her. Uh, that's my joy to do, uh, to do it. And um, there's like some, even just a few things that you thought that uh, it will uh, go well, but um, it's actually a disaster. Now, I would like to share uh, some photos to you and, um, and try to look if the, uh, these uh, photos happen to you. And I feel bad of sharing these photos, actually. But um, they're kind of uh, hilarious from my own perspective. Okay, so uh, gentlemen, uh, first photo. So this is uh, like um, back in 50s. They have this kind of recipe. It's a meatloaf. Uh, meatloaf and uh, I don't know what's uh, like there's around a salad. And someone tried to mimic this uh, recipe. And, uh, and this uh, turns out something like that. Okay, so um, yes, uh, he has a meatloaf there and uh, something like green in, in the middle, but actually it didn't, it didn't uh, turn uh, turn uh, turn uh, good. Uh, another one, um, this one, uh, I like this. This is a salad back in fif- uh, the 50s, I, I think, and uh, they put uh, on the top uh, a, a gelatin with supposed to be like a colorful colorful uh, confetti or something like that. And someone <clears throat> tried to <clears throat> do and mimic this also. And uh, this one turns out, there you go. <laughs> it, it, it didn't um, really, uh, they, um, I don't know, they butchered the recipe or something. But um, uh, for me, it's kind of, in my perspective, uh, uh, thank you, gentlemen. Um, it's kind of, uh, kind of hilarious. <clears throat> so I, have few, I had a few um, also uh, bad cooking experience, but I will not share it to you, <laughs> share it to you, okay? Um, but now, let's turn our Bibles to uh, the book of Judges. The book of Judges, chapter 2, and we'll be reading uh, from verse 6 down to verse uh, 10. Now, I kind of, uh, uh, the reason why I showed you those pictures, because it's uh, also kind of, it ties into uh, the message or the sermon for tonight. And uh, so if you're there in Judges chapter 2, uh, verse 6 to 10, uh, and I'll be reading the verses and you just follow along with me. Verse 6, and when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, 
the servant of the Lord died being an hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath Heres, in the, in the mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Geash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Now, tonight, I entitled the sermon, The Recipe for a Bitter Life. The Recipe for a Bitter Life. And we will look into that, but uh, let's go first in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here. And uh, we thank you for your word that we can ponder upon it. And we ask, dear Father, that you would speak into our hearts and help us, Lord, to learn truths from your word and that you would enable us also, by your grace, to choose to do something and to decide uh, for, for our lives to serve, to serve you, to know you more in, in our day-to-day -day life. And so, Father, bless our time now, we pray in your name. Amen. Now, the Bible tells us in verse 7 uh, that the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. So it's very clear there. And for me, it's a marvelous description of Joshua's generation. And as a whole... You can see that the people in the days of Joshua knew the Lord, served Him faithfully, and the Bible says that they also knew the great works that the Lord um, has done or did to them. And to put, point that into an opposite of our uh, title of our sermon, they had the recipe for a sweet life. You know, if... We always follow the Lord. We, knew, we will always choose to know the Lord, to always study Him, and to always serve Him, and to be faithfully you know, um, uh, worshiping Him. We would, have a rest, uh, we would have a complete package or recipe for a sweet life. Now, I believe that the great leadership, <clears throat> that the great leadership of Joshua lead this, uh, uh, these people to wholly follow the Lord. They have a, a godly example, right? A, a godly leader. And there's a famous quote that says, everything rises and falls on leadership. And I believe that is true, which uh, it is certainly true. Uh, if you go in, uh, if, if we would read Proverbs 29, you don't need to go there, uh, Proverbs 29 verse 2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. And so a leader will either bless or curse a nation. And we notice that in the books of, if you read the books of Joshua, the books of First and Second Samuel, the books of First and Second Kings, also in Chronicles, you can see over and over again 
that if a leader would choose to follow the Lord, to serve the Lord, the nation rejoice, right? But if they had a wicked leader, also the nation are going into way of destruction. Um, but not only that, you can see that in different nations in history, correct? So if the, if the leader cho- uh, choose to serve God, to, to know the Lord, uh, to know the Lord as their uh, God, the nation also prosper. We can also apply this principle to the leadership of a church and even homes, different homes. So when leaders of these institutions choose to follow and serve the Lord, we see that God will bless them. And we can see that. And you yourself can witness, uh, you can look into history as well. And even, even as of today, there are institutions that if they choose to follow the Lord, they will, God will always bless them. And this is what we've seen in all the days of Joshua. Now, it is also good to note that uh, the generation uh, in the days of Joshua were not actually his generation, correct? Remember, before they went into the promised land, the generation of Joshua died actually in the wilderness. God had to destroy them, and only Joshua and Caleb um, went into the promised land and, they, and the generation of Joshua actually never experienced the blessings of God because of their disobedience and unbelief to the true God himself. Notwithstanding, these two godly men were chosen by God to provide good leadership for the generation that followed them. And they did, because we just read the passage that the people in the days of Joshua served the Lord. They, they put a godly example, and this generation in the days of Joshua actually followed them uh, um, to serve the Lord. However, um, uh, it, it's... When you read the passage, though, in, in this, in this um, chapter specifically, it is, um, it is always um, assumed that the people in the days of Joshua failed to teach the next generation about God and the great works that he had done. Because you can see in verse 10, we read that there rose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Now, I hear a lot of sermons when it comes to, in this passage, that, um, you know, they, they, the generation in the days of Joshua failed to actually um, um, tell them who God is and uh, witness them, and uh, they, actually, they actually failed to... to um, to let the younger generation uh, uh, preach, and uh, they let them, you know, they they failed to to tell them who God is in in their lives. Um, however, it seems that the generation after, in the days of Joshua, deliberately chose to forsake God. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm also in. Uh, we just. Read, uh, we just uh, discussed that the leadership is very, very important. And the, the uh, 
passing on the faith is very, very important also. But I have to, um, I have to make a point here that, that uh, it, it seems when you look into the passage that it seems that the generation after in the days of Joshua deliberately chose to forsake God. Now remember in Joshua chapter 24 verse 15, if you go with me and turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24 verse 15. Now, we know the context here and Joshua was about to, was about to die and he told the people of the Lord to serve God. But here in verse 15, he gave them a choice. Now, verse 15, it says, And if, if it seem evil unto to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the generation in the days of Joshua, chose the Lord and serve Him faithfully. And we can see that if you read verses 16 onwards of Joshua 24, and also Josh, uh, Judges chapter 2, verse 7, the passage that we, we've read. Now, now, I want to make this point that every generation must choose uh, must choose God for themselves. Every generation must choose to know the Lord. Every generation must choose to serve the Lord. Now, I'm happy, I'm happy to be a, a third-generation Christian. Now, my, my, my grandmother, so she, she's the one that uh, raised her, uh, her children and... Um, my, and because uh, as a result of that, my mother came to know the Lord as her personal Savior. But then also, you, you have to understand that my grandmother needs to, uh, must have that responsibility to choose God, to serve God, choose to serve God. At the same time with my mother as well, she needs to choose to serve God. She needs to also know God as His Lord and personal Savior. Now, it's also the same as with me, that, uh, that I need, it doesn't matter that if my grandmother or my mother got saved, it doesn't matter in the sight of God. Okay? So, that's why I need to choose also to serve God and to know God in, in my life. And at the same, it's the same thing here. And for me, if, if the passage tells us that in the days of Joshua, the, his, the generation served God, then it's, it's really safe to assume that, yeah, the, the parents told their kids about God, about serving God and serving Him faithfully. But the thing is, we have glimpses here in the book of Judges that this third generation actually deliberately chose to forsake God. And that's what we can see here. So to be more specific, in our, in our time t today, you know, every single one of us here also had a responsibility 
has that choice to make. Either, you know, if you're not saved, you have a choice to make to accept God, accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, or to reject Christ as your Lord and Savior. Uh, For us Christians, we have a choice to prioritize God also in our lives, or we will just put Him on a side. So that's the, 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 the point. Every generation must choose God for themselves. But we see in the passage that the next generation, they chose not to follow the Lord. And this leads them to a really complete disaster, a recipe for a bitter life. And tonight we have three ingredients that leads to a bitter life. So the first ingredient that we can see here, no genuine relationship with God. No genuine relationship with God. Now if you look into verse 10, and actually the second, the second part of that, and there rose, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord. Now, it's, this is a pretty sad uh, um, story, really, because you can see the, that the generation bef- before them, they, it's like a complete opposite of what happened to the next generation. You know, they're looking into their parents, probably. They're looking into the, the adults in the days of Joshua. They faithfully served the Lord. But what is it for me as a next generation? It's the same question in, in, our, in our day and age today. The generation in the days of Joshua's leadership witnessed God's power and all the great works that he has done to them. Remember, probably when they were in the wilderness, the children of Israel, so these men and women in the days of Joshua were probably teens or career in, in our days. And then they were there, actually. So they, they've witnessed the parting of the Red Sea, right? They witnessed how the Lord provided them with manna, with water, with quail. They've witnessed, they've seen God's glory. And so now they entered into the promised land. They also witnessed the parting of the Jordan River, and they actually walk on the dry ground, and also the walls came tumbling down. That's where they experienced. They also, uh, God also brought multiple victories as they went into the promised land. So this is what they witnessed. They have seen the, the, God's goodness in their lives. They also witnessed God's provision, and even, even the, the passage will tell us they, they, God provided them land for which they did not labor, cities which they, did, they build not, and vineyards and olive yards which they planted not, and they did eat. So these are the things that the generation in the days of Joshua witnessed. However, in Judges chapter 2, verse 10, we are told that the succeeding generation knew not the Lord. 
Now, the phrase knew not the Lord suggests that the people deliberately refused to acknowledge God's authority. It is not simply they were ignorant, right? They, they oh, it's like, uh, because it's impossible. It's because in, the, in Mosaic law, Israelites are told, even when they were little, to actually, um, you know, uh, be grounded in the Word of God. They're, they're, um, there's like writings on the wall, there's like writing on the doorpost, something like that about who God is and His Word. So it's really impossible that they were ignorant about God. So, uh, so, the, so, the, so the phrase here, basically, it is not simply that they were ignorant, but they were in unbelief. We have some glimpses of that, here in, like here in verse 17. Um, God sent judges, correct, in this book, but, uh, but verse 17, and yet they would not hearken unto their judges. So those are just examples there. So glimpses that they deliberately refuse to acknowledge God's authority. Now this Next generation must have heard God's miraculous power, but probably never saw it. They, knew, they know all the stories about great and wonderful acts of God, but probably never experienced it. They had all the informations in their head, but it never went down in their hearts. This is the problem that most churches face today as well. Those who pioneered the church had a genuine relationship to God, and they've seen and witnessed God's power, miracles, provision, and, and all the things that God has done in their life. But the next generation in many churches seems just follow the motion and uh, satisfy with the status quo. We go to the church, we sit, listen, serve. It's just basically the things like that. And however, if, if, you, if the, that generation, you would kind of saying that a lot of, a lot of next generation became satisfied with the status quo, and then eventually they find themselves that they were not saved. That's a sad thing to happen. People in many churches nowadays look for, you know, many more exciting programs. Now, don't get me wrong. Exciting programs are good in the church. They're not evil. But fun exciting programs do not change lives. Correct? God's Word changes lives. And uh, many churches nowadays, they remove the preaching and call it a sermonette putting down all the sermons in, in it encapsulated into 10 to 15 minutes, and then whatsoever program that they, that they, they would do, they would, they would uh, you know, have fun. You know, that's now the church would look like. And let me tell you, Grace Baptist Church is not immune to this problem as well. If we will not take heed of this danger, this can also ha happen to us. So the first ingredient, 
the generation, the next generation that followed after Joshua, they don't have a genuine relationship with God. The second ingredient to, for a bitter life is that taking God for granted and not acknowledging Him. This is very, very important, especially for Christians. And the reason why we grow cold for sometimes because we don't acknowledge God in our lives. But, you know, if Christians do that, much so with the unbelievers, correct? However, you can see there here in verse 25, uh, I mean verse 16, Joshua chapter 24, verse 16. I like this. I like this first word here, nevertheless, because if you read the previous verses, even though they were evil, they did evil in the sight of God, God still wants to deliver His people. So nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges which delivered them out of the land of, uh, out of the hand of those that spoiled them, and yet they hearkened unto their judges, but they went a-whoring after other gods. Now that's a really direct word. And bow themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commands of the Lord, but they did not so. Not only the generation who came into the promised land with Joshua and Caleb knew the Lord, they also witnessed the works which he has done. Also, they endured difficulties, right? They fought. They fought so many battles, and God brought victory after victory. So they witnessed the work of God, which he had done. Now, it is the will of God, actually, to praise him of everything that he has done. It is God's will, and we can find that in many verses uh, actually, Psalm 34, verse 8, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in Him. Psalm 145, verse 8, The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. Psalm 107, verse 8 and 9, O oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the long, longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So it is God's will for us to acknowledge him always. To, um, to always, you know, to always put God into in the center of our lives. But these generation, uh, th this generation, however, they did not, they did not follow or they did not acknowledge God and they take for granted God. That the next generation, I'm talking about the generation after Joshua, they benefited from the hardships of the previous generation. They experienced comfort and ease in the promised land. I'm not saying that the generation, the next generation sinned by benefiting from the comfort and ease, right? Because a lot of us, 
And I would ask you, parents, you want a good life for your children. It's not a sin at all. And um, that, their, that, that the next generation benefited the comfort and ease that their fathers worked hard to have. But remember our main thrust in, in, this preach, in this sermon? That each generation must choose God for themselves. Well, the next generation, evidently, instead of following the Lord, they take for granted God. In verse 10, we have that. They knew not the works which God has done. Now, the third ingredient, the third ingredient for a bitter life is that they neglect God's word. We can read that in verse 16 to 17. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges which delivered them out of the land of those that spoiled them. And yet, they would not hearken unto their judges. And fast forward into that verse. Okay, um, they turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. Before Joshua died, he gave instructions to the people of Israel to be faithful to God by obeying His command and serve Him. Now, in our passage, we have evidence that they did. However, we see the next generation neglected God's Word. Instead, in verse 11, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Much worse, also, they served idols. They served idols. Also in verse 16 to 17 tells us that they would not hearken unto the judges that God gave and also they quickly abandoned God. What a tragedy. What a tragedy, right? Whenever a generation neglects God's word, then sin dominates in their lives. We should remember that. So you see a cycle of sin in the lives of, uh, of the children of Israel. Just read the whole book of Joshua. And it's like, it's not that they've gone from, from, uh, from bad to better, to good, but it's act just a downhill, downhill um, uh, disaster in the lives of Israel because they forsake the word of the Lord. You see the cycle of sin. Now remember, even though that there are great stories, now don't get me wrong, even though that there are great stories here in the book of Judges, that God used ordinary people to accomplish His will. But we cannot deny the fact that this book is a manifestation of a, or a picture of a life apart from God. What's, what would be a life that's apart from God? Read the book of Judges. The book of Judges will tell you that if you continue to neglect God and His Word, you will reap consequences. The promised land that God gave them was not a mistake, actually. If you, were, if you know in your, the geographic location of the, the, 
the promised land, God purposely placed them in that land so that through their faithfulness to God, they can influence other nations around them, right? And I think when you think of it, God placed Grace Baptist Church in Surrey so that we can influence others too, correct? It's basically the same thing. But instead, they become like the Canaanites. So instead, instead they would live a, a different life, a unique life, not like the Canaanites. But what happened in the, in the book of Judges, we can see that they became like the Canaanites. And that's the same thing with many churches nowadays. Instead of influencing the church, they became like the world. You know, when we dress, when we have our things in, in our life, they say, oh, look at that uh, person. I admire that. I idolize that. You know, American Idol, something like that. Or something like in the world that I want to be like that person. Right? So that's a mistake, basically. So that's what they, they did. Without God's word, we will, uh, we will do things that only pleases us. We don't have standards. We see that in, we see that in our governments, Right? If you look in history, it's funny because I'm also, um, Pastor Devian is usually the, uh, the teacher of the church history. And um, because he was, he's away, we have to, you know, learn also church history and something like that. We have to um, see the past. And, you know, there's like many governments, schools, um, homes, they started well. But eventually, as history would, history would tell, as, times pro, as time progressed, there's a downhill when it comes to spirituality. And sadly, it can also happen to many churches. This is the reason I think Timothy was given a charge to preach the word. Because there would come a time that the generation will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, they will heap of themselves teachers, having itching ears, but let me tell you this, we don't really know what tomorrow holds in this church. We really don't know. But I'm certain that as long as this church does not abandon God and His Word and choose, chooses to serve Him rather than the pleasures of this world, then we will have the promise of God that He will always bless us that he will always bless this church. Now, I'm not sure how many days, I'm not saying that uh, Pastor White will be gone, okay? But I'm not sure that how many years still we have with Pastor White. How many years we still have our faithful adults here. We don't know. We don't know really the future of, uh, I, I feel like, uh, like in the morning service, we don't know. Right? Um, but, Really, we don't know. But as long as this church will fully will choose to not abandon God in His Word, God will always bless this church. Now, the question, uh, now the statement now, how we can prevent the recipe for a better life? It's simple. We, can, we just turn it aside, right? If you, if you have the ingredients of a bit for a better life, then let's choose the, ingre the recipe for 
a sweet, sweet life. Now, first ingredient is rebirth. And I'm not here to doubt everyone's salvation. But I want to emphasize that make sure, make sure you know that you're saved. You know that you have relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a story back then. This is American history. American Puritans struggled with a problem presented by their unconverted children. Those hearty souls seeking religiously, uh, religious liberty and had journeyed to the new world to establish a pure community, like-minded Christians. They call it a city on a hill. To the pilgrims, membership in the local church was considered important. Membership was contingent upon the, the testimony of a personal conversion to the faith in Christ uh, of uh, faith of Christ the Lord. However, as their baptized children grew to adult, they realized that these children had no testimony of personal salvation. The children were good people, even attending the services of worship, but there was no evidence of personal salvation. Fewer and fewer people qualified to church membership creating a crisis for these zealous saints. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, I'm not saying this to shake your faith or something like that, or to put question your salvation, because I know a lot of you have showed good fruit of genuine relationship with Christ. So if you know for sure that you're saved, praise the Lord. But history will tell us that usually the succeeding generation of a nation, school, home, even a church, tend to drift away from God. So it's very important for us to be burdened for our next generation that they know God for sure. Have a genuine relationship with God. But let's push this farther. Knowing for sure that you are saved is a good start. Is a, this, that's actually a good start for your walk with God. But Christianity, remember this, that's not, does not stop there. Knowing that you're saved does not stop there. It's a beginning, actually, of walking to, with God. So it's very important for us to be burdened for... Our, um, um, so Solomon tells us that... Um, in Proverbs 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom. So when we learn to fear the Lord, we will have wisdom how to live for Him. In connection to this also, I think this, this is a good also, you know, I, um, principle or truth that living in, an, in anticipation of Christ's return keeps us from the filthiness of this world. Actually, if we go, we go there in 1 John, 1 John chapter um, 3, verses 1 to 3. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should call the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, 
because it knew him not. Beloved, now, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. It's a good thing also to keep in our minds to have this anticipation that any minute now, maybe later, maybe tomorrow, maybe tonight, God will return. Jesus Christ will return. And then that keeps us from the filthiness of this world. The second ingredient is, of course, remembrance. Remembering God's wonderful, remember God's wonderful work in your life. Now we can see that through the Word of God. When we read the Bible, there's a lot of examples of God's wonderful works in the lives of different people, especially those who chose to follow Him. Another idea also is through parents. Parents, you can share what God did through your lives because that means something to the next generation. Um, maybe you don't have, you don't have a story like God parted the Red Sea, right? You don't have the story that God provided you a manna or a water or a quail in the wilderness. You don't have a, a great story like a crumbling uh, the, wall uh, the, the walls are crumbling down. You don't have that kind of story. But you, did ha uh, you do have stories that how God provided you. How God brought victories over and over in your life. And that's a good thing. It's a good way to share it to the younger generation. And the third ingredient is, of course, obedience to His Word. We live in a society where obedience is not a popular virtue anymore. But we, but we Christians should maintain a life in obedience of what God tells us from His Word. When I was a child, I, we, always, we always attend, um, you know, me and my sisters always attend VBS. And I remember we have uh, two pledges to memorize uh, or recite before we start the VBS. You know, this is uh, always uh, an opening kind of uh, um, uh, a program, something like that. So there's two pledges, a pledge allegiance to the Christian flag, a flag and also a pledge allegiance to the Bible. I like how the, the Bible, because even now I still memorize it because it's basically from the book of Psalms. So God's holy word, I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide each word in my heart that I might not sin against God. That's a good pledge allegiance to the Bible. Now, as Christians, we must prioritize God's Word in our lives. So, as, as what I've said, we don't know what tomorrow holds. So, my challenge is this. Let's change our future, not just for this church, but every one of us. If history tells us that churches normally goes to a spiritual downhill, or or they have recipe of a, better, a bitter life, we can change that. We do. We can actually change that. We should make certain that there is a good future for 
the Grace Baptist Church, for each of our families. We should live as God's people and not follow the mistake of the children of Israel. God gave us everything, including, you know, His Son, Jesus Christ. So let's seek Him, honor Him, and live for Him so that we are prepared for the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, doing this will avoid a recipe of bitter life, and it will give us a recipe for a sweet life. Now, if you're here tonight, if you're watching online as well, and you know that you're in a recipe for a better life, you have to do something about it. You have to do something. Don't let the devil win, and you must choose now, because tomorrow may not come. If you're not saved, you need to choose Jesus Christ now. Don't put it away. And for us Christians, we need to choose God and prioritize Him in our lives. Now, you know, spending time with Him and reading the Word of God in prayer is a good example of choosing to prioritizing Him. Faithfulness to God in other, um, uh, faithfulness to God is another example. You know, your church attendance, serving Him in different areas in ministry here at church, at the church, faithful giving and tithes and offerings, and also your faith promise mission, those are examples of prioritizing God in your life. And also grounding yourself in God's Word is another example of prioritizing Him, studying God's Word. Now, you can do it by yourself, or you can enroll at uh, the Bible college that we have, Pacific West Baptist College. You know, God bless us with the Bible college, and you don't need to look further, right? We have our Bible college here. We have a Bible college in our own, and God bless us with a Bible college. Not lots of churches can have that, but we do have. So take advantage of this ministry. So tonight, I would ask you, don't leave in this place without making a decision in your life. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.